the school is out. Which means it's time for Hot Kids. Hello and welcome. This is Hot Kids for Kids for Kids. My name is Lexi Abramson and I'm 11 years old. Coming up on Rakit today, I'll be talking to Rabbi Pink from the Chabad House. He'll be talking about the Shofar. Also on the show, I will have a Rakit's riddle to challenge your thinking and an awesome prize from Laurie Park Zoo to give away. Here are the details if you have any questions for my guest or if you want to answer the riddle or if you just want to say hi. The SMS number is 34519 and it's charged 1 Rand 50 cents. You can send me a WhatsApp on 062-148-2374. And please sign your name. Get ready for an interesting show on Hi Kids Today, right after this. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 High FM. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Lexi Abramson and I'm 11 years old. Rabbi, do you know what song that was? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that song was We Are One from The Lion King 2. It just gives me like the first opening song. I just remember that song so well. <laughs> well, we are starting a cool new feature on the High Kids Show where we bring in one of our special listeners and find out a bit more about you. If you want to be our next special guest, you you can send an email to matt at com. That's matt at com. Coming up, I've got the High Kids Riddle, and you could win a prize from Ken & Co. Of course, who doesn't want that? If you are the first one to get the right answer, remember, you have to give others a chance to win. If you have won on High FM in the last 90 days, I know it's really long. You can still enter the riddle, but you won't be able to win a prize. Also, I have Rabbi Pink from the Chabad House Shofar Factory with me in studio. So send in your questions about the Shofar to 34519 or WhatsApp us on 062-148-2374. And are we ready to start with the questions? I'm ready if you are. I'm of course ready, because I don't have to answer them. Okay. What is a shofar? So, what is a shofar? It's a very, very good question. Um, now, generally, when you tell someone you've come to blow a shofar, if they've never heard of a shofar, they're going to look at you pretty strange until they see what it is. Um, but generally, a shofar comes from a ram. Um, a ram is basically, you know, a male sheep, um, at least one, and the shofar has to come from a, a ram which is at least one years old. One. One, yeah. Now, very important, we can't ever take a horn off an animal just for the shofar. Um, we'll only use the horns of animals which are anyway going to be used for eating or something like that, or if the animals died. We're never going to either take the horn off a live animal, and we're certainly not going to slaughter an animal just for its horn. Because um, I know a lot of times people say it's so cruel, and why, you know, why do we, why do we have to do that? But we'd never, like I said, we'd never hurt an animal in the process at all. Mm. So, um, the main criteria for a kosher shofar means it has to come from a kosher animal. Okay, so you can't have a shofar that's um, not shofar from an unkosher animal. Correct. It can't be from an unkosher animal. Um, and really in the Torah, there's actually two different types of horns which are mentioned. There's a shofar and there's also something called a keren. Um, and depending on the animal, certain animals have horns which cannot be made hollow. That would be considered a keren. 
And then you have um, animals which for horns can be made hollow. For example, a giraffe has horns. Um, but the giraffe's horns can't really be made hollow. They're, they're solid. They're very tiny, but they're still a horn. Um, also, there's certain types of deer which have like antlers, which the horns fall off every year. Those types of horns can't be made hollow, so we can't use those for a shofar. Mm. So it has to be from some sort of deer, a kudu, um, the, the, a lot of the buck um, have shofars we can use. So those type of animals can be, the horns can be hollowed out and we can use it for a shofar. So that, in a nutshell, is what a shofar is. And why do we have a shofar? Why do we have it at all? Why do we have a shofar? So we have a shofar because it's written in the Torah. Um, and interestingly, actually, the portion where it talks about the one of the times where it talks about um, the shofar, the mitzvah to blow the shofar, is actually written on the Liberty Bell in Philadelphia. Um, if you don't know what the Liberty Bell is, put it into Google. Mm. Um, it's it's quite it's quite famous in Philadelphia, and they have apparently over a million visitors there a year. And inscribed on that bell is a passage from um, from a Torah where it commands us to um, blow the shofar. So why we do it is because the Torah tells us to. And why do we blow the shofar? Why? Yeah. So, really, there's two parts of blowing a shofar. There's the part of blowing a shofar during the month of Elul, which is the month we're in now, and that's really to remind us Rosh Hashanah is coming, to wake us up, to get us ready for the new year, which is coming up in not a very long time. Um, and it's a bit like an alarm clock. Um, when we hear an alarm clock, we wake up, we get ready, we know we've got to start our day. When we hear the shofar... We get ready, preparing ourselves for Rosh Hashanah. So the older version of alarm clock. Oh yeah, pretty old version of alarm <laughs> clock. Um, and and also then, so that's that's why we do it during the month of Elul. And then obviously on Rosh Hashanah we do it because on Rosh Hashanah it is well, there's lots of different reasons, but again, like we said, primarily r- the main reason is because the Torah tells us. Um, but I'll tell you a little story. Um, and the story goes like this: there was once a king. And he only had one son. And this son was, you know, he had everything he needed. And he said to his dad one day that I want you to give me money because I want to go touring. I want to tour the world. I've done everything I can here. I want to go touring. So the dad says, sure, no problem. He gave him a nice big sack of coins and says, off you go. So the son traveled and he traveled for about five years. And after five years, his money ran out. And uh, he decided he'd seen enough of the world and it's time for him to come back home. And he travels back to um, the city where his father, the country where his father was the king. And he arrives back at the palace and he says to the gods, let me into the palace. And the gods are like, who are you? He says, I'm a prince. And the gods said, we don't know of any prince. We've been working here for the past few years. Obviously new gods since he had left home and we didn't know who he was. And not just that, but also he'd forgotten how to speak his local dialect, like the local language, it'll swap yeah. because it'd been so long. And they wouldn't let him in, and he was distraught, he was so upset, and he started to cry. And he was crying and bawling his eyes out, and it was really loud. And the king's lying in his bed, and he hears this noise. He hears this crying, and right away he recognizes this crying. He says, that's my son, he runs downstairs in his pajamas, tells the gods, open up the gate, and they let the prince in. And obviously the prince and the king are very happy to be reunited and to get back together. And it's a bit of a similar story lesson in life. 
you know, we don't always do everything we're meant to be doing. You don't get to shul as much as we should be getting to shul. We're not always as nice as we should be doing. And when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, we blow the shofar. And that blow the shofar is us calling out to Hashem, saying, remember us down here. <laughs> remember, you know, we're your children and, you know, all the good things we did. So that's one of the reasons why we blow it on Rosh Hashanah. And before I carry on with the questions, I want to tell you what the riddle is. Okay. Are you ready? Let's say it. If an electric train is traveling south, which way is the smoke going? If you know the answer, then SMS the answer and your name to 34519. You can win a prize from Kin & Co. And of course, who doesn't want that? But before I carry on, I want to read it one more time so just to make sure. If an electric train is traveling south, which way is the smoke going? Remember, I hope I get a right answer. But anyway, let's go back to your questions. All right. <laughs> when do we blow the shofar? So, when do we blow the shofar? So, like we said, we blow the shofar every day in the month of Elul. What time in the day? What time of yeah. day? So, there's no, there's no Pacific. Generally, it's done at the end of a morning service. But it can be done any time of the day until from dawn, basically from the first light until when it gets dark. Um, so, there isn't really a, a set time other than, you know, generally done in shul at the end of the morning service. Um, that's during the month of Elul. Then, obviously, on Rosh Hashanah, depending... And again, we don't do it on Shabbat. On Rosh Hashanah, we will blow the Shofar in Shul. Um, again, if Rosh Hashanah falls on Shabbat, that day of Rosh Hashanah, we won't blow the Shofar. Um, but, again, in Shul, it's blown, you know, various points during the service. If some, you know, if someone doesn't make it to Shul, again, it can be blown any time until it gets dark. And why don't we blow the Shofar on? On Shabbos. So that goes back to um, quite a quite a long time ago, and the rabbis had a debate over what is more important, blowing shofar on you know, or if you know, someone God forbid breaking Shabbat. And it basically boils down to we don't want someone who's not 100 percent knowledgeable in the laws of shofar or Shabbat to carry a shofar in a place where there's no eruv. Here in Joburg, we're very lucky. Most of Johannesburg has an eruv, but in a lot of places around the world. Um, there is an Erev. Actually, where I live... What's Erev? An Erev. So an Erev is a basically a way which permits you to be able to carry um, on Shabbat within right. a certain area. Where I live in Greenstone, there's no Erev yet. Um, <laughs> but, so basically, the rabbis didn't want people to um, carry a Shafar on Shabbat. So they said, in order to avoid any confusion, if Rosh Hashanah falls on Shabbat, we don't blow the Shafar. But Rosh Hashanah is always two days, even in Israel. So, whatever happens, we'll definitely hear a shofar on one of the days of Rosh Hashanah. And who can, who can blow a shofar? Who can blow a shofar? So, really, anyone can blow a shofar, but there's lots of laws in the timing and how long the different blasts have to be and which blast to do in which order. So, you have to be quite knowledgeable. You have to know the laws really well in order to blow a shofar. So, whilst anyone could, in order to be able to do it for the mitzvah, especially on Rosh Hashanah, you need to be someone who's learned the laws, which is generally why a rabbi is the one who blows a shofar, but it's not exclusive to only a rabbi. Anyone could do it if you've learned the laws. Sometimes in our school we have Bombay boys that do the shofar, right. so that'd be okay. Yeah, as long well, in order for the person to be able to um, blow for other people, definitely have to be over bar mitzvah. But as long as they know the laws, it's a matter, it's a matter who they are. And who teaches you to blow the shofar? Someone else who knows how to blow the shofar. So um, depending, 
there's no real it's not like you can go and sign up for shofar classes um, generally it's sort of passed down tradition from a rabbi to a child a father to a child um, very often what happens is someone will practice a lot and then they'll go to a rabbi and blow it in front of the rabbi and the rabbi will sort of say test them to make sure they know you know how long to blow for and their blasts are being done correctly and then if the rabbi says you're good to go you're good to go and I know usually um, a shofar is made from a ram's horn but what other type of animals can you use to make a shofar? So, really, like we said, a kosher animal and an animal that um, can the horn can be made hollow. So you have a kudu, you have um, chemsbach, blessbach. Uh, so mainly here we get them. Yeah, here we're very lucky. We have a lot. <laughs> um, interestingly, the one animal we can't use from, which is a kosher animal, is a cow, well, a bull. Why can't we use a bull? We can't use a bull because of the story of a golden calf. Um, oh, yeah. When Moses came down Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments... The Jewish people were bowing down to a golden idol. That's right. Idol. You were listening in class. Well done. <laughs> um, so they were bowing down to his idol. And on Rosh Hashanah, when we are trying to get God to judge us favorably, we don't want to remind him of something bad. Even though it wasn't us, it was happened many generations before, ago, we don't want to remind him of something it's negative. our ancestors. Right. But we still don't mm. use a bull's horn or any animal which comes from basically the cow family. So like, um, you know, for example, I'm trying to think of an example here. Um, a buffalo, water buffalo. Water buffaloes have beautiful big horns, but we don't use it because apparently they're cousins to the cows. That's just how it is. <laughs> and who makes a shofar? Who makes the shofar? So... Um, again, anyone really could make a shofar if you know what you're doing. It's very complicated and it's really, really smelly. Um, <laughs> because the, in the, the majority of the shofars which you'll buy nowadays will be made in Israel. There's a few different factories in Israel. I don't believe there's anyone professionally... So you send like a horn that you get here and you just you send could, it Yes, yeah, you could do that or, or they'll supply you. You'll tell them I want this horn and they will, uh, they'll, they'll supply it to you. Mm. Um... In this country, I don't think there's anyone who makes them professionally. Um, we do make in Chabad House for the kids, but those are not professional shofars. You're never going to get a shofar looking like the one I brought into studio. Um, it's a lot rougher. It's not as, you know, not as nicely twisted and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, there are, if you actually put into YouTube, um, shofar making, there's quite a few videos of a professional factories making shofars and showing you, you know, how it's all done. Mm. And while we're speaking about that, you brought some shofars into the studio today. You brought two. And one I noticed that you usually see on like an every time at school, like a regular one. But now we have like this other one next to it. It's really much bigger and more twisty and more darker. What type of horn is this? So the big twisty one is a kudu horn. A kudu. Yeah. Um, and... Kudu horns are generally, um, they come from a tradition of the Yemenite Jews. Um, on Rosh Hashanah, general custom is that we use a ram's horn. Um, but in Israel, you do find some communities which will still use a kudu horn. Um, and they're a beautiful horn. They are a bit harder to blow generally because they're a bit bigger, so you need a, a bit of a bigger um, blow into them. Um, and again, the, the twistiness is just, you know, very much a, a natural a natural look to it. And if you actually pick it up, you feel it's pretty heavy. And I was actually saying, I blow shofar every morning for children in King David Linksfield in a nursery school. And I was saying to children this morning, imagine walking around with two of these on your head. They must have pretty strong necks. Of <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's the other horn we have here. And obviously also different horns, different pitches. 
um, you know, you'll, a small horn may be a bit more higher pitched, a long horn is, you know, deeper and long and, you know, a, a different type of pitch. Well, I'm so amazed that you brought these two horns. I really like the big difference about <laughs> it. Um, but we're going to go into a quick song and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 High FM. That song was Shofar Blast from Peter and, and Ilan Allard. <laughs> this is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Lexi Abramson and I'm 11 years old. We have a lot of answers from our high kids riddle. But before I say the answer, I'm going to repeat it one more time. If an electric train is travelling south, which way is the smoke going? And I have to say, well done to Sandler's, because um, it said, it is an electric train, it has no smoke. Well done. Rabbi, did you think that was the answer? It took me a while to think about it, but yeah, think about it, the electric part sort of gave it away. Yeah, <laughs> just got to listen closely. <laughs> and so are you ready to go back into your questions? Yep. Let's jump right in. So can you tell us how a shofar is made? How a shofar is made? So when, obviously, um, the animal is either swallowed or it dies, whatever, we get a raw horn. A raw. A raw horn. And it's pretty smelly because usually they're not fresh. <laughs> and inside the horn is actually a piece of bone. Now, we need to get the bone out, out of the horn. Oh. And um, it's not really very simple. Getting because heebie-jeebies. Yeah, it's not so, not, not for faint-hearted. <laughs> um, if you try pulling it, it's not going to come. So what happens is the shofars are boiled with a special chemical solution. Um, very hot for quite a few hours. And what that does is it softens the outer side of it, which, interestingly, the outer side of the um, shofar is made out of the same stuff as our fingernails, just much thicker. Um, once it becomes a bit softer, um, we're able to pull it out. Um, sometimes you have to use a mallet. We bang it a few times. It pops out. We get rid of a bone part. Um, and then we have the shofar. Um, but then it then goes through another process, which then cleanses it to make sure there's no bacteria on it and all that sort of thing. And then we have to chop off the end because. I was say that. Oh, wait, so you keep all the dirt where it's been on? No, 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 no. We have to. We clean it very, very well, and it takes it takes quite a long time um, for a shofar to be ready. Then, obviously, the end of a shofar is pointy because you know there's no holes in the, in the regular animal's horns to blow. So we're going to have to chop off the ends and drill in the mouthpiece. Um, it's sanded. It's varnished. Um, sometimes it even has little designs made into it. Um, and that, in a, in, you know, is, in a summary is how we make a shofar. In a summer? In a summary. Oh, the summary. Yeah, in like short, because there's obviously a lot longer and more intricate and a lot more details. But in short, that's how we make a shofar. And when we blow the shofar, what notes must we blow? So there is um, a few different notes. There is a takia. A takia is one long blast. Then we have shavarim, which means basically broken, which is three short blasts. We have teruah, which is nine blasts. And then we have a tekia gadola, which is the very long blast of the end, which tekia. is... Yeah. And that's what people get very, very excited about. See how long the person who's blowing a shofar can actually get that tekia gadola for. And what um, do each of these... I'm sorry. What do each of these notes mean? So each one 
depending how we understand it, most of them are quite, you know, if we look in, in Kabbalah, which is a mystical side, there's a lot, there's a lot of different details. But on a, on a very simple, um, level, each one is, is compared to a different type of crying. There's different, there's crying, which is a long wail, there's broken up sobs, and then there's like, sort of like, almost a hysterical crying. And each one is trying to connect us to remind us that we've got to connect to God and we've got to try and be nice. And we don't want to be either see, seeing people crying because that's not a nice thing. And if we it's see some... It's a happy time. Well, exactly. And, but any time of the year, we don't want to see people crying. And throughout the year, when we're starting on New Year, is a way almost to make a resolution. To make, to, you know, to make up to, that if we see someone crying, we're going to go find out what the matter is and see if we can help them. Um, and at the same time, we're asking God that he shouldn't give us any sort of time during the year, which is sad for us. And nothing, God forbid, bad should happen. So that is on a very basic level of what the various sounds mean. And do you run the chauffeur factory at Chabad House? Yes, I do. You do run it? Yes. Mm. And what happens if someone is sick or can't get to shore to hear the shofar? What will happen? So during the month of Elul, they don't need to worry because it's a custom. It's not a, a doesn't say it in the Torah. But if on Rosh Hashanah someone is sick um, or can't make it to shul, they can contact their nearest rabbi. They can contact Chabad House. They can contact, you know, any Chabad or any other shul around the area and ask the rabbi to come blow shofar for them. At and their house. At their house. It doesn't <laughs> need to be in a shul. Um I've, you know, I've myself gone plenty times to hospitals, old age homes, people's homes who, you know, they're, they're too old or they're sick and they can't make it to shul, we'll go blow the shofar for them in their house. It's Not enough. a problem. And can you give us a demonstration of what a shofar sounds like? Sure. Mm. Which one do you want me to use? Either. Okay, we'll use this one because it's a bit easier. <laughs> That's the ram song. It's the rams, yeah. <laughs> I hope I didn't hurt your ears then. No, not there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering if it hurt your, your ears. <laughs> no, You're listening. I, I get used to it. <laughs> and why do we use a shofar instead of, say, a trumpet or any other instrument? Um, that's a very good question. Why don't we use a trumpet? Um, Triz, I don't know how to blow a trumpet, so I won't be able to blow a trumpet for you. But again, because that's what it tells us in the Torah. In the Torah, it talks about specifically using a shofar. Um, and a shofar, we know, is a animal's horn and like we said we use a ram's horn that is why we specifically use the shofar again boils down to that's what's written in the Torah and we say a word after listening to the shofar what does that word mean? depends which word shkayach okay that just means well done and well that done. really is <laughs> that really is a South African custom I'm originally from England I never heard it until I came to this country um yeah, basically means well done and congratulating whoever is blowing the shofar for doing such a good job of blowing it. I never thought that. Yeah, that's all it is. And is listening to the shofar a mitzvah from the Torah? Yes, it definitely is. Hmm. On on Rosh Hashanah, that is. on during, Like we said, during this month, it's a custom, but on Rosh Hashanah like this itself... This morning, it's a custom, but is right. it still a mitzvah? It's still a mitzvah. It's still a good 100% still a mitzvah, but if someone misses it or something like that, it's not something they have to, you know worry too much about but on the, the other side on Rosh Hashanah like we said if someone can't make it to shul they should make every effort to hear the shofar even if they're not able to come to shul or if they can only come for a limited time just come for the shofar blowing
Mm. But sometimes people don't know when the shofar blowing is. So most shuls will advertise, um, you know, what time actual shofar blowing is. That way people who, you know, have babies or, you know, whatever other reasons they can't be there the whole time can at least come and hear the shofar. Mm. And on Rosh Hashanah, we hear the shofar in shul. How many times must we hear it? So the total amount of times, the total amount of blasts we hear is a hundred. hundred. A hundred blasts, right? But... In order to fulfill the mitzvah to the basic, you know, just to, you know, so you can sort of say, tick the box, I've done shofar, we have to hear 30 blasts. So if we come to shul, on Rosh Hashanah, what happens is after the Torah reading, the rabbi will tell everyone, you know, to stand, we're going to blow the shofar, explain what's going to happen, and he'll make the blessings on the shofar. He then blows 30 blasts of a shofar. Once he's done that, you've fulfilled the main obligation. The best way of doing it, and we like doing things the best way, is to hear all hundred. But if someone, again, like I said, if someone can't stay the whole time, or their baby starts crying, or something like that, once they've heard the first 30, they are good to go. Again, also, if I'd go to someone's house, I don't blow the whole hundred for them. (laughs) I'd blow just the first 30. (laughs) And during Elul, we listen to the shofar every morning. Can we listen to it via the radio, or a recording like now? So... The best way of doing it, obviously, is, you know, in, in real, live, with a real shofar. If for whatever reason someone can't, then listen to radio or, you know, there's apps on your iPad, iPhones and iPads that also, you know, blow a shofar. Those are all great. But obviously, the best way of doing it is listening in live. But again, very important, on Rosh Hashanah, listening to a recording doesn't work. Mm-hmm. On Rosh Hashanah, it must be live. Um, and I have, I've met people but who... But radio is live. Radio, well, it's live, but it's not live because it's over, <laughs> it's over the airwaves and stuff like that. And also on Rosh Hashanah, Chai FM doesn't broadcast, so we're, we're good there anyway. I don't think any of the other local radio stations are going to be blowing a shuffle on Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, on, especially on Rosh Hashanah, you have to, you have to listen to it from someone within the shul. And even in the shul, we can't, for example, use a microphone to make it louder or anything like that. You have to hear it with your ears to actually fulfill the commandment your own ears yeah and why do we blow the shofar in the month of Elul we, we blow the shofar in the month of Elul to get us ready for Rosh Hashanah to wake us up to remind us that Rosh Hashanah is coming it's not very long and we have to do as first of all do as many good deeds because we're coming up to Rosh Hashanah but just to make sure that we are awake and we are really you know ready to do as much good as we can for the coming year <laughs> and does everyone have to hear the shofar? What about young children? What if their ears can't take it? <laughs> so everyone should hear the shofar, especially on Rosh Hashanah, even young children, even babies. Because, you know, thinking about it, let me ask you, Lexi, when you hear the shofar, does it mean anything to you, or is it just, okay, I'll hear the shofar because I've got to hear the shofar? Um, the second one sometimes. Right. Depends so, on the day. Exactly, depends on the day. Very often people will hear the shofar because... It's Rosh Hashanah and it's the right thing to do. But what they don't realize is that their soul is listening. And we're also con- more, even more connected right. to Exactly. hundred <laughs> percent. We're even more connected. Um, so our soul hears. So even a little baby has a soul. So that's why even little babies or old people should make every effort to hear the Shofar on Rosh Hashanah. Good words. <laughs> and so we're going to be into a quick song and we'll be right back. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 High FM. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Lexi Abramson and I'm 11 years old. Can you guess what that song was, Rabbi? 
Um, I'm not very good at guessing songs, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but that song was A Whole New World from Aladdin. And should we gra- let's jump right back into your questions. Let's do that. Can you tell us the story of Abraham and the sacrificing of Yitzchak? That's a very, very interesting story. And very often um, people uh, misunderstand what the whole story is about. Um, so basically, we know that our forefather Abraham, Abraham, was given ten tests. One of the tests, God told him to take his son, and no parents are meant to have favorites, but he had a favorite son, his son Yitzchak Isaac, and he was meant to bring him up as a sacrifice, which sounds a bit crazy because in Judaism we're not allowed to hurt people, we're not allowed to hurt animals. So why in the world would God tell him to bring him up as a sacrifice? But Avram didn't question him. Avram got up early in the morning. He took his son with him. And Did he know what was happening? Avram knew, but Yitzchak didn't know. Mm. So he told him to come with him. And he said, well, he told me he was going to bring up a sacrifice to God. But he didn't know he was going to be the sacrifice. <laughs> and they traveled and uh, they got to the place they were going to bring up the sacrifice. And Yitzchak suddenly said, wait one second, where's the animal for the sacrifice? And at that point, Avraham told him, um, sorry, you're going to be the sacrifice. And amazingly, he didn't freak out and he didn't run away because most people, natural instinct, you'd run for your life, <laughs> literally. And he didn't fight. He didn't put up any objection. And Avraham was ready to, um, you know, to, to bring him as a sacrifice and to kill his own son. Now, God never intended him to do that. God was just testing him and seeing if he would actually listen. It's a pretty hectic test and a pretty harsh test. But Avraham was ready to do it and as he was about to um, bring up the sacrifice God told the angels don't let him do that you cannot harm your son in any way don't hurt him and um, obviously he then you know let his son go and they brought up an animal sacrifice instead Um, so that is the the story of the the, um, it's called the Akeda now the animal which he brought up was a ram and that ram, they found there was a ram, he had got himself stuck in a, sort of into a bush with his horns. And that's the animal he brought up as a sacrifice, and that's one of the reasons why we use a ram's horn on Rosh Hashanah. So, yeah, that's the story. That's the story. And why are we allowed to blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, even though we don't normally play musical instruments on the festivals like Yom Tov? It's a very, very good question, which maybe is why we don't use a trumpet. But um, we we um, you blow the shofar, even though we wouldn't usually be allowed to blow it, is because it's for a special mitzvah. But, for example, if I decided on Shavuot that I wanted to blow my shofar, I wouldn't be allowed to. I'm only allowed to blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, and the only other time is at the end of Yom Kippur. All the way at the end, we blow the shofar. Any other time is not allowed. And the reason is because God gave a specific commandment for that time. Any other time we wouldn't, we wouldn't be allowed to. And it's a bit complicated to understand. But if we think about it, the same way as God says we're not allowed to, here he's saying we are allowed to, but only for a limited time. So that's, that special time we're allowed to blow it. So that's why we're allowed to do it on Rosh Hashanah. And if there is a blade, a blessing, also a brocha, that we say when we hear the shofar, is there? So there is a blessing, but it's not one that everyone makes individually. Whoever is blowing the shofar makes the blessing, which basically is, blessed are you, Lord, who command us to listen to the shofar. Um, and we also make a shecheyanu blessing, because, you know, it's the first time we've done it um, in a year. And whoever's blowing the shofar will make that blessing for the entire congregation, for everyone who's listening. Um, and, yes, it's not like every individual person will make their own blessing. 
And is there any interesting stories or experiences that you have had when you blow the shofar for people? I had lots and lots of um, interesting experiences, and there's so many amazing stories. Um, I mean, I blew shofar one time for a guy, and he was uh, at a traffic light. I was in when I was doing my rabbinical studies. I was in Florida. I was walking to shul, and the guy wound down his window and says, "Hey, Rabbi, you know, good yomtif." And I said, "Are you going to shul?" He said, "I'm on my way to work." So I said, "Well, you know what." Let me blow for you right now. He wound out his window and we, I blew shofar for him right there on the side of the street. I did get some interesting looks. Um, so, you know, blowing shofar, there are so many different, different stories. Shofar very often awakens a very emotional side, especially, you know, when I go to old age homes and places like that. The, a lot of the old people get very emotional because it reminds them of when they were younger and their parents and, you know, things like that. Um, and, Really, that's what Shofar is meant to do. It's meant to awaken us and it's meant to, you know, remind us. There's an amazing story um, of a little boy. Unfortunately, he was an orphan. And his name was Moishala. Little Moishala um, used to go and because he, you know, didn't have parents, he didn't go to school, he used to go work in the fields. And one time he was working in a field and he got really, really tired and he sat down next to a tree. Now, he, this was, we're talking uh, back in Russia where it was cold and he fell asleep next to his tree and unbeknown to him he didn't realize it started to snow and it started to snow and the snow fell on him and covered him and he was freezing cold and he sort of basically passed out from the cold and luckily someone was passing by and he saw this little boy it wasn't little he was 10, 11 years old um, sitting there and you know passed out by a tree and he took him into his house and he warmed him up and he gave him some you know food to eat and you know a, a hot cup of tea or whatever it was and thank God he was okay but one thing it did do is it affected his memory. He couldn't remember who he was. And he didn't, you know, these parent people said, you know, we don't know, we can't just let you go because you're, you're an 11 year old boy and where are you going to go if you leave here? And little Moishla didn't know what to say. So he said, you know, what, we'll look after you and hopefully someone will come look for you and they'll find you and, 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 you know, you'll go back home. But being that he was an orphan, no one came to look for him. And he, ended up growing up in this family. Now, this family wasn't a Jewish family. They were just a good family who took him in and looked after him. But obviously, being they weren't Jewish, he didn't know anything about his so Judaism. he knew before he passed out that he was Jewish. He knew, but he didn't remember it. He had no recollection to anything once he woke up. And so he grew up thinking his name was Peter, thinking that he wasn't Jewish, and working for this non-Jewish family who very, very nicely were looking after him. And... As he grew up, he became, they, they used to sell things in the market, this family. And as he grew older, he became in charge of taking all the different merchandise to the, to the market and being in charge of a little store there. And one week, he, one week he went there and on uh, whatever day market day was, he saw the market was very quiet. Most of the people weren't there. And he asked one of the other people, where is everyone? And he said, oh, today is a Jewish New Year. So all the Jewish people who are usually here selling their stuff are in their synagogue. He's like, that sounds interesting. I've never heard of that before. And he decides that he's going to go and investigate. Figures the market's quiet anyway. So he goes off to the shul and he walks inside. And as he walks inside, he walks in as they're about to blow the shofar. And they start blowing the shofar and suddenly he goes cold and he gets goose pimples. And he's like, I, I recognize this from somewhere. And he can't pinpoint it and someone notices this boy standing at the back you know a young man standing at the back he wasn't wearing a yarmie or anything he's, can we help you and he's like I, I, I don't know what to tell you I just feel this warmth and I feel so strange listening to this horn and 
the guy says, well, what's your name? He's like, my name's Peter. And he starts trying to, you know, tell him, you know, this is who I am. He's like, that's strange. Where would you know it from? You've never been to a shul before. He says, you know what? Come back to shul again tomorrow. The next day, he comes back to shul. And as the shofar starts blowing, he faints. And everyone obviously comes rushing around him. We wake him up. And he wakes up. He starts crying. He's like, I remember exactly where it is. I used to come to shul as a little boy. I used to hear this, this, uh, this, you know, this sound. Eventually, he went back to his, the Pete family who looked after him and said, you know, I have these recollections of, of, you know, of, uh, of, of being a little boy and where are they from? And, you know, are you my parents? And he explained to him, no, we're not your parents. We found you and everything added up. And he was able to return to his Jewish roots from listening to his shofar because it woke up his neshama inside him. Wow. But thank you so much for coming on Chakis and teaching us about the Shofar, Rabbi. Such a pleasure. Well, I had so much fun with you. Excellent. And um, thank you so much. Let's come. And that was Chakis. Thank you.